Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. And uh, man, I'm at, a, I'm at a loss here because, man, I had some great Greg Johnson jokes I was about to tell. <laughs> I was going to go in on this guy, and then he gets up here and talks all sweet about me. So I guess I'll have to save him for another time. I'll have to save him for another time. But blessings to you, and it's an honor to be with you. And I thank Greg for those kind words and for uh, just the opportunity to be with you. I am from Restoration Community Church uh, in the Third Ward area of Houston, Texas, inside the loop. And, you know, it's been great to be partnering with you guys, in, whether it's through the men's advance or, you know, we've had a couple of groups come down and do some service projects, uh, and we've been able to come out and do some things. So it's just been a wonderful partnership, and I am excited and hoping we will continue to go together, grow together. Even though there is a good distance in between us, we are definitely one church. Definitely one in the spirit. Amen. 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 Well, I want to share something with you this morning that the Lord has put on my heart. But I want to start by telling you uh, the story. When I was uh, at Texas Southern University, which brought me to Houston, uh, when I was finishing my degree there, I began to work for Harris County Juvenile Probation Department. And one of my first jobs there was working in one of the boys' homes of young men who had been court-ordered uh, to uh, spend time there. And so it was really the job of a parent for eight hours a day. You had about 15, sometimes 20 young boys, ages 13 to 17, and you were basically raising them. So you had to do everything a parent would do, after school, homework, um, chores, uh, administration, passing out meds, you know, the whole nine, selling disagreements and all of that stuff, getting dinner. Um, but the hardest part of the job, if you are a parent, you already know, is getting them to go to bed. That was the hardest part of the job. And so uh, always, when it was time to shut it down, we always had a big, big run around. But one night, I had a guy in my dorm who was giving me the blues. Uh, I would put him down, and then soon as I would go to somewhere else, he'd run out of the room and just act a fool. So... I said to myself, man, I'm going to go down here and shame this boy. He's about 13 years old. I'm going to go down there and shame him into doing what he's supposed to do. So I told him, I said, man, do I have to come down there and put you in a bed like a five-year-old? And so I went down his room and I proceeded to grab his sheets. Of course, he ran and jumped in the bed. And I began to tuck him in like he was a little bitty kid, hoping he would be embarrassed and be like, man, Mr. Hill, leave me alone. Get out of here. I don't need all that. You know, to my surprise, he curled up in the bed in the fetal position. I tucked him in. He had a big smile on his face. I prayed for him, turned the light off, and I didn't hear from him for the rest of the night. And I'm like 22, 21 years old, and I walk out of the room. I don't have any kids. I'm just, I'm floored. I'm like, well, what the heck was that about? And then I did. I heard the Lord tell me, David, you're doing a lot on this job for these kids. He said, but David, what matters most is the love you give. It's the love that will impact them the most. Don't ever forget that. And I say that because for a lot of us today, we know we sing about love. We read about love. We know we're supposed to love. But sometimes... When we need it the most, it seems to elude us. In the moments in life when love is most called for, we reach for something else on the shelf. 
and we can't seem to find this love that we know and have read and have sung so much about. In that moment in life, when it should be there for us, it sometimes eludes us. I want to talk to you this morning about that. I want to read this to you first before we read our passage this morning. I want to read to you what Paul was saying to the church in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's talking to them and they are talking, they've been talking about all the gifts that make up the church. All these wonderful things that are there to help the church be all that they can be. He says this, 12 through 31, I mean in verse 29 through 31. He says, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I show you a still more excellent way. I want to talk to you this morning about a more excellent way. A way that he's called for all of us. As Paul was talking to them again, they had become, they had become infatuated and inflated about all these other gifts and began to put them in high order as what you want to desire most, what you want to achieve most, what you want to aspire most. Paul is trying to redirect them and say, listen, all that's wonderful, all that's beautiful and it's great and needed, but if you want the real juice, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And it underscores what comes next. It leads us into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with tongues of men of angels but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and it is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Does not take into account wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let me read on a little more. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. And if there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I am fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of these 
is love. The Spirit's principal task in our lives is to reproduce in us the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. The priority in that character reproduction is love. It is from love that all other aspects of the Spirit's fruits flow. This chapter shows love is the most excellent way with the idea that Christians must make it their first aim in the exercise of spiritual gifts. If we were to ask a more excellent way to what? What are we trying to, where are we trying to go with it? Why? I want to give you four reasons why it's a more excellent way. Why it should be at the top of the list of spiritual gifts that we all pursue. I want to tell you first that love is the best spiritual gift. It is the best spiritual gift. Paul spent some time talking to them. He mentions uh, speaking in tongues, prophecy, generosity, martyrdom, all these gifts that are wonderful and wonderful things. People who have the ability to give beyond their means. People who have the ability to sacrifice others. I mean, sacrifice for others. People, you definitely don't want to be sacrificing others. <laughs> don't want to be doing that. People who have the ability to sacrifice for others and give of themselves and, and, and just do all these wonderful things. They can prophesy. They can teach. They can sing. That's all wonderful and great. But all of that also has the attention, the ability to bring attention to yourself. All of those things have a dual edge to them where they can be great for the body, but they can also say, look at me. Look at me. Look what, look what I've been able to do. Look what I've been able to accomplish. Look who I've loved. Look who I've served. And so they can become dangerous. And without the presence and practice of love, the gifts of the spirits are useless. If you do all of that, and you can't love the people sitting next to you, what really have you done? If you can serve and give and prophesy and sing and preach and do all these wonderful things, but you can't stand sister so-and-so two rows over, <laughs> then what really are we doing? The pastor can get here and preach and do and, and, and exegete the text and do all these wonderful things, but I don't want to be bothered with any of you. I ain't got time for none of you. What really am I doing? See, love is the ingredient by which all these other things work. But see, we have a tendency because we are trapped in human flesh and we are, and I'm, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm front and center. I have no problem with my name and lights. I got a little ham in me like everybody. I don't mind people patting me on the back and saying, boy, good job, Dave. But the problem with that is, man, if that's all there is to it, if I can't express what's been given to me and give it to others, what am I doing? You know, one of the people that I admire most in American history is Dr. Martin Luther King. Not because he was a perfect man, but because in the face of so much hatred, he understood one thing. You're going to have to love our way through this. 
We're going to have to love our way through this. You, you can't do this any other way. In fact, he has several quotes that I like to use all the time. One of them says that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. He's also fond of saying, you know, uh, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. When you think about it, it's the only thing that can do it. He's also said, I, I chose love because hate was too big a burden to bear. I know what it's like to be consumed with hate. It'll turn you into something you don't want to be. Many of you will understand that. You know, there's another rapper that I like, Christian rapper I listen to all the time by the name of Bizzle. Call him a hood poet. The guy is gifted. And one of the things that he says that I love all the time, he says, sometimes love is measured by the hate you can love through. See, so many times we feel like I only need to give love when I receive love. I only need to love when love is in the atmosphere. But Dr. King understood and the civil rights movement understand this. We got to love even though we're surrounded by hate. There are people spitting into my face, burning my home, threatening my family. And yet, I'm called to a more excellent way. That's what love has to be. It cannot be just when I'm when I feel like giving it, when it's been given to me, we are called to bring it to a world that doesn't have it. But if you're going to bring it, you got to have it in you. My coach was fond of saying when I played football, you practice hard to put something in the tank so that when you get in the field in the game in the fourth quarter, there's something, and you reach for something because you have nothing left to give. When you reach in the tank, it'll be there. Because yes. you put it there in practice. Yes. You've done the work, so when you got to have it the most, man, I can reach when I'm tired and I don't feel like I can go on, and I got to get through this last quarter, boom, it's there. See, love is the same way. We've got to practice it. We've got to, we've got to, re, it's got to be reproduced in us through God's word so that when we face a cruel and wicked and crazy world and we got to reach in the fourth corner and reach for something, oh, it's there. I can, I can bring this to the world because it's in me. But if we don't have it in us because we've not made it a spiritual goal to be, to have love, to pursue love. It won't be there, and we'll be like everybody else in the world. Hate for hate, evil for evil, yes. darkness for darkness. God's called us more to more than that, and it's why love has to be priority because it's the best spiritual gift. Number two, love is the chief aspect of the fruits of the Spirit. If you take the fruits of the Spirit, we all know them, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you add all those up like a mathematical equation, what you get or what it equals out to is love. Patience, kindness, goodness, 
gentleness, self-control. They all add up to love. So as we are trying to have the character of Christ reproduced in us, all he really trying to get us to see is, it's all about love. And before we get sidetracked with all these other initiatives and all these other things that, man, that are good things, I want to build a great ministry. Man, I want to go nationwide. I want to go global. I want people to hear me preach all over the world. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to understand the Word of God in ways no one has ever understood. God, unlock your mysteries to me to understand. When sometimes I believe God is saying, yeah, I'm going to unlock something, all right. <laughs> How about I unlock your heart to love people that you see every day or that you don't see every day that are different than you, that think different than you, that come from different places than you. See, we got to have this. And one of the reasons it lacking, so I tell people all the time, it hurts my heart to see even in the body of Christ, even in the church, church folk won't even talk to one another. Because, girl, did you know I found out who she voted for? <laughs> yeah. I was driving down the street, and guess what sign I saw in his yard? Can you believe he's supporting that? Man, I ain't got nothing to do with them. No more. And we've gotten to this place where if you don't think like me, act like me, do like me, we can't, we can't be together. Let me tell you a quick story. So we have a blended congregation at our church deep in the Third Ward, right? The third Ward is predominantly African-American. It's hood, right? We planted this church to reach black folks. That's my passion. I got, a, I got a passion for the issues and the things that have plagued black people in urban communities, and, I, I, and I've been called to attack that. So here I am on this mission to do what God's called me to do, to reach my people, to help us overcome our issues through the Word of God. And here come white folks start walking through the door. And I'm like... Now, I know we worked out the church planning plan, and we, 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 we worked out the mission statement and the vision and all of this. I'm like, well, what's going on here, Lord? And it shook me. And to the point where I was like, man, maybe I need to restart this thing. We didn't do something right here. <laughs> and let me tell you, the guy said, no, you ain't going to do no such thing. You're going to sit your behind down and watch me do with my church what I want to do. See, you, I might let you touch the wheel every now and then, but Dave, you're in the passenger seat. Don't forget that. And do you know one of the beautiful things, one of, probably one of the greatest things that God has done in our church is that it's a blended congregation. It's, and, and I had nothing to do with it. The fact that because it forced us and made us have dialogue and conversation. And you know what it also made us do? It made us have to love one another, even though we don't always agree on everything. Amen. We got Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians. We got Biden folks, Trump folks. We got the whole nine. And guess what? It's beautiful. Because here's what we've done, y'all. The thing that unifies us is not sameness or likeness. 
What unifies us is the blood of Christ, right? And that's why in Ephesians, he said, you got to preserve the unity in the body because I've already given you what unifies you. You don't have to go and fight it. You don't have to go and find it. And that's what we spend a lot of time doing. Let me go find everybody who thinks like me, who acts like me, who looks like me, and then I'll have unity. No. He says, once you come under the banner of Christ, boom, you got the unity. Now you got to fight to preserve it because you got a whole lot of folks saying, how can we be, you ain't like me, I got you out of here. You don't think like me, I'm going to move you out of here. See, that's where the fight comes in. To say, no, we're going to lock arms, even though we don't agree on everything. And the beauty in the body of Christ is the difference that we can have. That's the beauty of it, is that we don't have to be the same. We don't have to think alike. We don't have to be alike. But we are called to love alike. We're called to walk alike under his, under his banner. And if we can grab that, and I really believe if love remains the chief spiritual goal of us all, we can accomplish that. Because if we don't, where the world going to get it from? Where else are they going to see it? They're not going to see it in the news. They're not going to see it in the street. The body of Christ is the hope for the world. But y'all, if we don't do it, it won't be seen. So God's called us to make love a chief aspect in our spiritual lives. Love is patient with people. It tries to understand them and react accordingly. Love is kind in that it always thinks of a gentle and constructive way of dealing with people in difficult situations. Beyond all these things, first, I mean, Colossians 3.14 says, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And how do you preserve unity? Love. I'm going to put you before me. I'm going to try to understand you before me. And that's what's missing in, in so much of this. And so every time something difficult comes up, everybody immediately feels like, well, how can I defend myself? How can I make sure I'm not wrong in this or I don't get accused of something? Instead of saying, man, how can I love you? You know, one of my favorite sayings has become this. I'm going to love you and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to love you. You can be mad at me. You can hate me. You can get it. I'm going to make it my goal to love you. How do you, how do you, what do you do with that? You can't do nothing, you can't do nothing with it but join in. You know, I have a good friend, um, Pastor Iggy Soma. He and I get together and work, work out together on Fridays. Um, I got a little gym, makeshift gym set up in the back uh, under the carport, and it's like, like Rocky Balboa in Russia type stuff. Like, you know, not that 24-hour spray equipment down stuff. No. It's grit, grimy, pre-COVID, funky stuff, you know. Like, we get it. I mean, that's what we like to think, you know. It makes us feel good. Now, it might not be that much, but, but we feel like we're really getting after it. But one of the things that I enjoy about our time together is we work out, we talk about everything. And, you know, honestly, other than our call to the work of God, pastoring, loving Christ, our families, man, we disagree on a whole lot, on every, almost everything else. 
And we spend a bulk of our time just running down the list of stuff. Everything, politics, social, everything. And, and you know, he's, he's telling, I'm like, man, you're crazy for thinking that. How could you think that? No, you need to be. And we, we chop it up. But you know, the beauty of the relationship is we're allowed to be different. And we get to love each other even in our differences. And each time, man, we, we hug it out, dap it up, and then I'll see you next week. And it's a beautiful thing. And more people, man, I, mean, I try to tell everybody, man, the more you can embrace more folks that love the Lord but maybe got some differences than you, the better your walk will be. Because what we've done, now hear me clearly, we know there are biblical foundations and truths that are non-negotiable. There's doctrinal truths that, man, are in the Word of God, and, and you can't move that. Not talking about that. I'm talking about all that other stuff that you and I have thrown on top of it. You know, because I grew up here, and this is how we did it. Because I'm from here, and this is how we get down. Or my grandmama always told me, or my papa always told me, this is how it goes. So I'm going to bring that into this. I'm talking about all of that stuff. And guess what? It goes across every line. I can tell you stuff my people have told me, that, and I love them dearly, but they was dead wrong. <laughs> that ain't love, and that's not how it works in the body of Christ. And I'm sure you can think of some of yours. But the point is this. If we don't get to a place, y'all, where we can be different and still love each other, where a Democrat and Republican can still sit in the same church. A black man and a white man can still sit in the same church. You know, left, right, whatever differences you might want to call it. Hispanic, Asian, whatever. We got we to gotta be able to leave a little room that, hey, you don't have to agree with David on everything. Because guess what? David ain't right all the time. Ninety-some percent, but <laughs> I mean, you know, not all the time. You know, I try to get my wife to understand that. I'm humble enough to admit I'm not right all the time. That's him. The percentage is fairly good, though. But, you know, just we got to understand that. And, and the chief way you can understand that helps you with that is love. Putting someone else first will always help you walk in a, in a position of love. It reconditions you how to walk in this thing. And so love, one, first of all, love is the best spiritual gift. Secondly, love is the chief aspect of the fruits of the Spirit. So as you're trying to walk and have his character reproduced in you, just know it all adds up to love. Thirdly, love's superiority to other gifts is summed up in that it never fails. It won't let you down, y'all. Love is worth it. It's worth pursuing the most excellent way because it's tested and proven and it will not fail. When all other gifts pass away, we saw in passage 8 through 13, when everything else passes away, these three abide. And the greatest of these is what? Love. Listen, when I stand before God, I won't need prophecy because it will all be revealed for me. I won't need hope because I'm standing, I don't need hope because I'm standing in front of the Father. Those things will pass away, but there's one thing that will still remain that I'm going to need, and that's love. And so if love is going to be the one thing I'm, that's going to reside with me even until the end, 
man, I want to have it right now. I want to be proficient in it right now. I want it all right now. Human love, even at its best, may fail. And I'm not talking about that kind of love. You know, when I met my wife and I knew she was the one I wanted to marry, I told her, I said, girl, listen, if you take this ring, no man will love you like I can love you. It, outside of God and Jesus, no one will take care of you like I'm going to take care of you. Girl, when it's cold outside, you'll have the month of May. Come on now. I'll always be here for you and I'll give you everything you need. I was thirsty for this woman. Just take this ring and say yes. But you know, after a couple of years of marriage, I realized what I should have been saying was, I'm going to try and love you <laughs> like no man could ever love you. I'm going to do my best because what I realized is that human love can talk a good game, but human love can fail. When there were times when she needed me most, human love failed. I tried my best, but I was lacking. And thank God she's a God-loving woman who could understand and forgive me. But she also reminds me of what I said. <laughs> what I said I was going to do. But the point is, yes, human love fails. But we're not, when I'm talking about this kind of love, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of love that's rooted in the reproduction of the character of Christ. The kind of love that doesn't come from your own abilities. It has to be reproduced in you by the Holy Spirit as you surrender your life and surrender your will to him. That's what allowed someone like Dr. King to move on in the face of darkness. That's what will allow you and I, when we live in a whole society that says, man, we're supposed to hate each other and despise each other and can't get along. What's going to allow us to walk through that? Not, that's right. But not, not the kind that comes from humans. The kind that only comes from the Father. And that's what we have to tap into. And that's what this passage is talking about. We've got to find the love that Jesus has, that he had for us. The love of our Lord Jesus reproduced in us by his spirit does not fail, but goes on and continues where human love stops. It'll take you to places you never thought you could go. Because you know the hardest part about loving sometimes is loving those closest to you. Come on now. Keep it real. Can we be real for a moment? If my wife was here, she'd be hallelujah on the front row. <laughs> Listen, sometimes loving the people down the hallway is the hardest part. Sometimes loving the person you wake up next to is the hardest part. We need God's strength and grace. That's Come on now. I'm all about the realness. But, you know, even though that is the case, God wants to show you the strength of his love through his spirit that will allow you, wife, when he hadn't made you priority. He's failed you. 
He didn't do what he said he was going to do. His weakness has been revealed, but God's called you to love him anyway. Husband, she hits you with some words. That's dumb. She went to a dark place with you, and her words reside in you, and you're, and you're, and you're hurting because of it. But God's called you to love her. Where are you going to get that kind of love from? Your kids have disappointed you. They've said things and done things, and, 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 and you're hurting because of it. But God's still calling you to love them. Where are you going to get it from? People on the job talking about you, trying to get you fired, and bad-mouthing your reputation. But yeah, you got to go in every day and love them. You ain't going to get that on your own. That don't come from any human only comes from the Spirit of God. But it won't be there for us if we haven't made it a priority. If it's just about going to church, if it's just about getting head knowledge, if it's just about what I've done that makes me look good, you'll be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Who wants to hear that? You won't have real impact, and your life won't greatly be impacted like it should. If the love of God is not present in your life. There will be a time for prophecy and direct revelation from God, either about the present or the future, but it won't be necessary and only love will remain when we come to see him face to face. And lastly, let me say this point. Love is strong and it's the strength of every believer. Love is the greatest because it's the very nature of God. It's the very nature of the God we love. He sent a son to die for you and me because he cared about us, because he cared about people. I tell people all the time as a pastor, sometimes in my weakness, in my alone time, I tell God, Lord, when I came to you, you captivated my heart. It was just me and you, and it was the sweetest time. Why did you mess it up with all these people? <laughs> Why? Why didn't you just leave it me and you? We can ride off into the sunset, the greatest love story ever told. How you came and rescued me, and now I got this relationship with you, and why can't it just be that? Because, and God said, David, because it ain't just about you, son. See, God's love is best expressed through people. God says, what I want to do, David, I want to do most through people. And so, David, that's why I sent my son, for people. And David, that's why I'm calling you to love for people, all kind of people. The ones you love, the ones you don't feel like you have a reason to love. The ones who love you and the ones who don't love you. I'm not calling you to be selective. I'm calling you to give freely what was freely given to you. And it's the hard, the hardest part of the job. And when I say job, I mean as a believer. Because we can always find a reason to say, uh-uh, I ain't giving you my love. You hurt me. 
you did this. But God says, you hurt me, and I gave it to you. You despised me at one time, and I gave it to you. You didn't want me, and I still gave it to you. I want to challenge you this morning. Faith and hope are important. But when we love, we show the very nature of God. Love is the greatest because it leads others to our Savior. How will they know you are my disciples? By the love you have for one another. You all, we start with our love for Christ, our love for God. That love is expressed then to the body that we are born into to love one another. And it overflows from that into a hurting and broken world of what love should look like. But it all starts with every believer making it a priority. You may never be able to prophesy. You may never preach a sermon. You may never lead others in worship. You may never interpret scripture. You may never accomplish some of the things that we see all over TV and all over ministry. But let me tell you something. You may never win a Super Bowl. You may never win an NBA championship. You may never tackle anybody on the field. You may never score a winning basket. But everyone can love. Because all that is required is a loving heart and a dedication to Christ. You don't have to be the fastest or the best. You don't have to be the smartest or the most intelligent. You don't have to be the most gifted or the most talented for this. And you can achieve the most excellent way if you'll only love. It's worth it. It's worth it. And this world is dying because it's not enough of it. I encourage you. Start with it in your home. Let it go from your home to your fellowship. And from there to a hurting broken world I'm emotional because I'm telling you as a black man there are people that will tell me David why are you reaching across the aisle man why are you trying to walk, work with these white folks man don't you see what they're doing don't you see they don't care about us and I'm sure there are many folks in your circle that tell you the same thing why are you even trying to reach over and work with black folks? Man, don't you see what they're doing? Don't you hear the things they say about us? But I'm telling you, we can make a difference. This world doesn't have to be what we see it. God's put us here. But I've got to open up my mouth and you've got to open up your mouth and we both got to open up our hearts. Say, I'm going to love you and there's nothing you can do about it. You can call me every name in the book. But if Jesus can be stripped naked publicly and beaten to a pulp, mocked and abused on the cross. Certainly, certainly, I can take a little teasing and a little name calling. You can take somebody talking about you because you chose to love. If he can endure all that, certainly, certainly, you and I can endure what this world has to offer for the sake of love. It's worth it. It's worth it. Make it your